Hashtag murder may contain explicit and disturbing material and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello! And welcome to... Hashtag murder! Woo-hoo-hoo. I'm Scar. And I'm Alex. No, wait. I'm Dustin. You're my busty Dunn. Aww. Oh, I got my baby with me. Is that me? It's you. Oh, goodness. I um, thought that was Lily. Oh, well, yeah. She is the baby. She is the baby. Um, Alex had to have her wisdom teeth taken out. Oh, well, she's going to be dumber now. All of her wisdom was taken away from her. Okay. <laughs> I know, poor girl, I talked to her earlier today, and she doesn't sound like she's got marbles in her mouth anymore, which is great. That's good. But I was like, did they give you any good drugs? And she was like, I ran out. I ran out. out. (laughs) She's got his ibuprofen and Tylenol now. Oh, no. Yeah. She's like, a day and a half worth of hydrocodone is not enough. (laughs) It's true, though. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, it... I guess no, they don't want you getting hooked on it, though. No pain like mouth pain. Oh, God. You can't do anything. Yeah. And you love the dentist. I love getting my teeth cleaned at the dentist. Oh. All right. I love going to the dentist because I never have any problems. Well, yeah. yeah that's nice. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. say that I've got a wonderful smile. They say that to me, too. So they lie to both of us. I think they are. <laughs> I think they might tell that to everyone. <laughs> Oh, damn it. I thought it was special. No. Um, and also, you are very special, honey. I am. To me. Oh. And maybe some of our listeners. I don't know. Probably all of your <laughs> listeners. Um, Kylie was just here. For a week. For a whole week. It was great. I took her to the airport. She didn't Twice. get on the plane. She did. She came back. She couldn't do it. She couldn't leave. Uh, and she was like, whenever I get back, I'm going to tell my co-workers that I cleaned and I cooked and I babysat. Yeah, she did. She hit the trifecta <laughs> of vacations. <laughs> she sure did. Helped us clean out our garage. Organized oh, the yeah. pantries. Yeah. It was uh, a good time. She cleaned out our freezer while neither of us were here because we were working that day. Yep. She kept the Cornish game hen, which <sighs> has been in the freezer for at least five years. That's a pretty good bet. <laughs> We're just still not throwing it away, and she knew to keep it. She I'm called sure me. it's expired. She called me. Oh. <laughs> it's in a state of perpetual limbo right now. It's frozen. Uh, All right? Things can't go bad when they're frozen. That's true, and <laughs> that's very true. And we're going to get into this one, and I think that the main person of our show would enjoy a Cornish game hen. Yeah? Yeah. yeah I think they would. I think they could whip up something real nice with it. Oh. We should have let her cook the Cornish game hen. Oh my God, she made those egg rolls, the Southwest egg rolls. Yeah. Did y'all know that you could roll anything? You can roll anything. You can roll breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh my God, it was so good. Made her make them twice. (laughs) I'm like, hey, we're going over to a friend's house tonight for Scarlett's birthday party. Oh, by the way, you're cooking. (laughs) You are cooking. Um, Another exciting news though, honey. I saw Lily's doppelganger this morning. 
I know you sent me a photo that might be her mother. It could be. Her name was Daisy and she was adopted. It could be her brother. Well, no, it's not her brother. No, she had all four legs. Okay. Yeah. Her brother had to have his front paw amputated, which is really sad. But I got in trouble because I didn't give this man the third degree on his morning walk at seven o'clock in the morning. I said, what is the dog's name? I don't know. Is she available for a play date? Don't know. Where did he acquire said dog? Don't know. These are the questions, honey. I asked the question of, hey, is that an American foxhound? May I pet your dog? (laughs) May I take a photo of your dog? My girlfriend will love it. I got yes to all those questions. I didn't think I should push it any farther. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you never know. You never know when you're... He was just on his morning walk. This man did not need to be getting, like, interrogated by me. At 7.15. Where'd you get that dog? (laughs) It's 7 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Freezing cold. I know, but she did. She was a little bit shorter. She was. A little bit squatter. I mean, Lily's all leg. She's got leg for days. Yeah. Her legs are like three feet long. She is all legs. (laughs) Oh my goodness. All right, honey. We got to jump into this one. Okay. Is this a fun one? Not a sad one? Um. Are there fun murders? Well, um. No kids, right? No, there's no kids. Okay. Then we're good. It makes me wonder, does Dennis have any family from North Dakota and or Oregon? Last name's Brophy on this one? It is. Well, uh, their grand, great-granddad was John Henry Brophy, so it's possible he could have spread his seed far and wide. Why do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this week, we're going to Portland, Oregon. The far west. Hipster paradise. It's as far away from us as you can get. Yeah, um, and one of my favorite cities. I actually went there with Kylie. Of course. So she lived in Seattle very briefly. Next to a very stinky mushroom farm. Yeah, they were making, growing stuff and shit. (laughs) (laughs) And so I went to go visit her and she was like, oh, let's go down to Portland for the night. And I was like, okay, whatever. And so we actually Airbnb'd someone's backyard and we slept in a tent in their backyard with several other Airbnbers. Who were tenting as well. Who were tenting as well. <laughs> I didn't even know you could do that. You can. I didn't know you could either. That's kind of cool. Kind of scary. Um, Thought for sure we were going to be murdered. Yeah, you just got a tent. <laughs> Hold on, um, let me lock my tent before I go to sleep tonight. You can't even, you hardly can sleep in here without the door unlocked. I know. We just had to go get a solid wood door. <laughs> No hollow door anymore. No more hollow doors. This thing could be bulletproof. Yeah, it could be. Right. I'd have to paint it. And... It's heavy as hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but anyways, yeah, we stayed there and um, thought for sure we were going to be murdered. And it's funny that we were talking about Bob's Burgers because that was in my kick where I had to watch Bob's Burgers to fall asleep. And no, I now we're literally... listening to murder every night. <laughs> I was playing it on my phone. <laughs> Uh, oh my god. Um, yes, we do fall asleep to Small Town Murder and Forensic Files. Shout out to both of them. Yeah, every night. We go to bed <laughs> listening to the most horrible thing possible. <laughs> Her uh, other thing is uh, SVU. Go to sleep to SVU. Yeah, it's very soothing. I don't know what it is about it. Um, but anyways, so. What year are we? You're about to find well, out. When are we? Where We're Portland. Where are we? Who, who are we? You're about to find out. Uh, be patient. So, it's Saturday, June 2nd, 2018. Okay. 8.24 a.m. Is that specific enough for you? <laughs> Smart ass. 
<laughs> yes, ma'am. It is. Uh, a, yes, it is. I knew that I would be reading you these notes, so I took them very meticulously. <laughs> okay, so June second, twenty eighteen, and dispatch receives a phone call from a woman who is at the Oregon Culinary Institute at seventeen oh one Southwest Jefferson Street. Did you put the address in there for me as well? I did. <laughs> Never asked you for the address. Uh, and this woman is stating that there is an older gentleman who is laying unconscious on the floor. What did he eat? Huh? It's a culinary institute. He must oh, have what eaten. what did he eat? Yeah. What oh. did he eat? Uh, well. Must not have been very good. They're killing people over there. Uh, did I jump the shark already? Actually, no. What? It, okay. So emergency services are sent to the institute. They walk through a storage area and into an instructional room known as Kitchen One. Okay. And find a man laying on his back in front of a big kitchen sink. And he had been a victim of murder. So the Oregon Culinary Institute, or OCI for short, is an establishment for aspiring chefs as well as a restaurant that serves lunch and dinner. And the deceased is one of the instructors. It's kind of cool that they have that, though, so you can go there and cook and people can actually come and eat your food and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We actually had a, uh, a culinary institute next to the uh, store that I worked at in Louisville, and that they had a little bakery there. That was pretty fun. Fresh baked bread? Mm-hmm. I'd weigh 900 pounds. <laughs> oh, my God. I will love bread. So much. It's so good. So one of the instructors, it is 63-year-old Daniel Craig Brophy. And Dan had been in the Institute for, like, ever since its creation and was lovingly referred to as an OG, Original Gourmet. Oh, that's fun. I like that. I know. <laughs> He'd been teaching there for 12 years and had been a professional chef for over 40 years. Damn. Yeah. Investigators learned that Dan had driven his white pickup to the Institute that morning. He parked, he let himself in, and disabled the alarm at 7.22 a.m. that Saturday morning. And it was typical for Dan to be the first to arrive. He was getting some prep done, he was making coffee, getting the ice buckets filled, and getting everything ready for the students to come in that day. Man, bet you that dude could cook up a storm. Yeah. You know, 40 years... Oh, yeah. So while Dan was at the sink, he had been shot in the back, and either he fell to the ground, or the first shot spun him around, and then there was a, another shot directly center mass at point-blank range, piercing his heart. Well, at least he went somewhat quick. Damn, that's cold to shoot somebody in the back, though. That's kind of a coward move. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. We just had a Dan. Dan uh, Holseth. Yeah. Also, he was... Well, I'm not going to spoil it. Go listen to that one. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, equally as cowardly. Yeah. It makes me think that the killer couldn't look him in the eyes. Does he know the murderer? Uh, well. You can't. <laughs> so no weapon was found at the scene, but there were two spent shells from a 9mm handgun lying near the victim. So what, did, what does that tell you, honey? That it was real close. That it was close, but they did not pick up the shells after they shot him. Oh, not a professional then. Exactly. So likely an amateur who wanted to get in and out pretty quickly. So who was Daniel Brophy and who wanted him dead? Why would you want... <clears throat> who? Is he, is he a gambler? Like, why <laughs> would anybody want to kill a teacher? I know. So Daniel Brophy was born June 27th, 1954 in Valley City, North Dakota. 
So he's a couple years older than my dad. Mm-hmm. Dan's cooking career started with him being the busboy and dishwasher at a local restaurant in Kansas City, and then he moved on to working the night shift as a cook. Now, they did not tell us the name of the restaurant, but I can only assume that it was the Waffle Hut, because it was a 24-hour establishment. Wow, that Waffle House or, hell, just working overnight, cooking? Yeah, or Denny's. Aren't they 24 hours? They never close. Yeah. Matter of fact, in 1988, when they were going to close for Thanksgiving... No manager had a key to the store to lock the doors. To lock the doors. They had never been locked before. (laughs) Oh, that's really funny. That's Mm -hmm. a fun fact. I like that. Um, Okay, so then he went on to culinary school himself. He then went on to work for several different European chefs, and then he went on to teach others everything he knew about the cooking business. And he was always learning. He loved learning new techniques and ingredients and ways to do things. And he loved being a chef and a teacher and was really good at what he did. Not only was Dan super into cooking, he also had a degree in marine biology. And he loved the beach and the ocean. And he would often take his students on field trips to the Oregon coast where they would forage for mushrooms, clams, and oysters. Everything that he did had like an element of cooking in it. So went and caught fish that morning or the mussels that morning and probably showed him a cool way to cook them Mm -hmm. in the afternoon. Yeah. He also had pet chickens and he would teach his students about how to raise chickens from egg to adulthood. Okay. And he was also a beekeeper, which is fun. He would take his students to see his bees. He loved to garden and grow his own ingredients and was super into composting. He's giving like back to earther vibes. I was in the right place. But he's doing, you know, he's just sustaining, you know, just mm-hmm. being sustainable as possible. Yeah. Having fresh, organic stuff that he knows when he cooks his meals at home. Oh, my God. I bet you they are bomb. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would have loved to have had one of Chef Dan's home-cooked meals. Yeah. Uh, which we'll kind of get to later. I didn't put it in here, um, but I'll, I'll kind of mention it. Do we get any, did, do we know any Dan recipes? I'm sure there's some online. We can look them up. Yeah. I don't know. We should throw one in at the end. If I can find one. Okay. I will. Okay. Okay. Now, family and friends describe Dan as sort of a dry jokester. He had a bit of an odd sense of humor, but that's just how he was, and people liked him for it. Sounds like my pop-pop. Mostly. Sounds like my pop-pop. He was kind of a no-nonsense type of man, and he was the first to correct someone if they were doing something wrong. But he was also super sarcastic, and as these people were describing him, I was like, I'm not sure I would have gotten along with this man, because I typically don't jive with that kind of person. Um, But it did seem like he was a great teacher, but then, so okay, at first I was like, I don't know about Dan, don't know, but then... He smokes weed. No, well maybe, I don't know. He does, I'm telling you. (laughs) Then... I looked him up and I came across his memorial photo and it's him in his black chef uniform, straight face, and he's holding a chicken (laughs) with like no hint of a smile, no nothing. It's just him like George Washington style holding a chicken. (laughs) And I was like, maybe I would like this guy. That's what made you fall in love with him? Yeah. (laughs) His photo with a chicken. (laughs) Uh, So maybe we would get along. I don't know. But Dan also had a softer side. He would volunteer his time serving meals to the unhoused at a local church that his parents attended. So, like, he's he's not all bad. But his personality could have been off-putting to certain people. 
Okay. Well, you know, not everybody's everybody's flavor. So. Yeah. Dan was also married to wife number two named Nancy Crampton Brophy. Nancy. Nance. That's um, both of my grandmother's names. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is an old name. You just don't get, you don't run into many Nancys anymore. Yeah. This is my little baby Nancy. <laughs> Carly's friends are starting to have babies and stuff, and all of my friends have had babies. Yeah. And there ain't a Nancy in the bunch. No. No, Nance. Yeah, you have plain Nana and Nana Banana. That's both right. Nancy. Both Nancy. <laughs> Um, um, so at the time, or they were married at the time of his death. Dan and Nancy had met in the early 1990s at the Le Cordon Bleu Institute and were both well-educated and both had been divorced. And the two really hit it off. Nancy was also a student at the Culinary Arts School and they had met through a mutual friend named Tanya Medlin. Daniel also had a first son from his marriage named Nathaniel. Who probably went by Nathaniel. He did. He does go by Nathaniel. He goes by Nathaniel. It's not Nate. It's not Nathan. It's Nathaniel. And Dan and Nancy had a large wedding ceremony in 1999 when Dan was about 45 and Nancy was about 49. But they didn't actually, like, file their marriage certificate until 2016. Well, you know, some things you just got Ah. got a little sidetracked. Who has the time? So they were together for quite some time before they actually, like got married well, you said they met in 1990 got married in 99 yes they dated for nine years before they decided to even <laughs> like let's do this ceremony <laughs> yeah yeah so that was fun so the news of daniel's death spread around the town and people were shocked to hear that he had been murdered so going back to the day of the murder nancy dan's wife is called to come down to the institute around 10 20 a.m And she gets in her minivan and drives up from their home in Beaverton, which is just outside of Portland. Living in the burbs. Precisely. Authorities speak with Nancy and give her the devastating news that her husband has been murdered. And Nancy's response to this is, yeah, I kind of gathered that from all the sad sack looks I've been getting. That's her response? Was her response. Um, ma'am, we're going to be investigating you here very shortly. (laughs) Like, you need to be... At least putting on a better show if you did it. Uh, So she states that as usual, Dan woke up around 6, left their home around 7.05 or 7.10 to go to work, and she hadn't heard anything from him since, which was typical. When Nancy gets the news, though, through tears, she states, quote, Here's the terrible thing. Even if you find who shot him, it's not going to bring him back, and I just want him back. Care about who shot him? I just want him back. I don't want him to be dead. End quote. Which is very sad. Yeah, she just lost her partner. Yeah. So Nancy is sent back home to properly grieve, and she calls her best friend, Tanya Medlin, the one who Dan and her met through. Tanya said that Nancy was so distraught that she couldn't even form complete sentences, and the three of them were all still really good friends, and Dan even worked with Tanya at an assisted living facility as a co-chef. So theories start swirling around town. A lot of people think that the killer was possibly a student that Dan had rubbed the wrong way. Because as we've learned, Dan is sort of a gruff, tough love kind of guy. And maybe he said some things he shouldn't have to the wrong person. Yeah, I guess, I mean, chefs can take that a little bit personally, but... Oh, yes. But it's not like he ruined anyone's career. How prestigious is the school that they're teaching at, like... I think it's up there. You know, like, is this somebody's dream to go to this school and then old Danny boy washes him out, you know? 
Well, no. He never ended anyone's thing. He just was there to help people. He never, like, tore anyone down so hard that they weren't going to go on to have, like, a successful career. Okay, because it's just hard, you know, to picture a student going from, I failed this class, to... Now I'm going to murder my teacher? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm also assuming that most of the folks that are going here are older, not straight out of high school. Probably. Yeah. I don't know the exact, like, demographic of students, but it's probably older. Although they could be young. Yeah. My little cousin, since she's been like four, she's like, I will be a chef at Disney. That is her dream goal, her dream job. And she, she probably will do it. I hope she gets it. Yeah. So a little more background on Dan and Nancy. When they met, Nancy had her own catering business. So she was in the food game as well. And Dan's son, Nathaniel, actually worked at this catering business for a while. So it was kind of like a family thing. And this catering business actually brought in like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. So Nancy was kind of like she was rolling a big in deal. the dough. Yeah, she was a big deal. Yes. She was just going to school to brush up, learn some techniques and stuff then, sounds like. Yeah. And another fun thing about Dan and Nancy, Dan was always lovingly referring to Nancy as management. If any of his friends asked him to go out to dinner or on a trip, he'd joke and say, well, I have to check with management first, or I'm going to have to ask my manager, Yeah, like which is fun. You're corporate. I always <laughs> tell people, you know, tell the dogs if something goes wrong. Like, yeah, I don't like this either, but this came from corporate. <laughs> uh, so that's fun. So it sounds like they had, like, a fun relationship, but maybe Nancy kind of wore the pants a little bit. But he's also a super sarcastic guy. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's hard to tell. So, when Nancy could no longer handle the physical requirements of the catering business, she sold the company and started selling insurance. And then, she decided to pursue her passion and had a little side gig slash hobby in writing. Damn, she does everything. So, she was an author. And these books were published. So, let me give you some titles of these books. Are you ready? I'm ready. Go. (laughs) The Wrong Husband. The Wrong Seal. The Wrong Hero. The Wrong Brother, The Wrong Cop, Hell on the Heart, The Girl Most Likely To, dot dot dot, as well as Plotting Your Story Arc, colon, Workbook for Fiction Writers, Plotters, and Pantsters. What the hell's a pantster? I thought you would ask. Um, apparently it is one who writes by the seat of their pants. Oh, so, me. (laughs) Yeah. That's like eight or nine books. Yeah. Sounds like she's also kind of into murder. (laughs) The wrong husband. The wrong brother. Everybody's wrong. I'm living in hell. Yeah, and the tagline of all of these books was, quote, wrong never felt so right, end quote. Oh, my. And these are like, except for the last one, these are romance mystery novels. Okay. It's all quite hilarious. And they're actually still up on Amazon um, in either the Kindle or the paperback edition. And the covers to these books are ridiculous and they always either have a very attractive man or very attractive woman scantily clothed oh yes 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 ripped clothing actually better you know it looks like we just survived a bear attack these are don't don't scroll at all these are some of the covers that we are talking about okay (laughs) looks like a maxim magazine Yes, another callback to the last episode. (laughs) Um, Okay, so these book covers are ridiculous. (laughs) They're romance novels, so I mean, they're exactly what 
you're thinking of when you hear these these titles. Yes. And romance him, novel. Give him a goop because it's hilarious. So, two days after the murder, a vigil of sorts is held at the Culinary Institute. There were flowers and candles, lots of tears. The community was not taking this very well. And actually, a couple hundred people showed up. Wow. That's a lot of people. Well, he was he had his finger in a lot of pies. He was helping out all over the community. Yeah. And he probably also had helped start a bunch of people into cooking. Yeah, jumpstart a lot of people's careers. So 68-year-old Nancy was also in attendance, and she spoke about some of her favorite memories with Dan. She stated, quote, he did what he loved. He loved teaching. He loved mushrooms. Dan was one of the few people I've ever known who knew exactly what he wanted in life and loved living it, end quote. He was living the dream. He was. So back to the day of the murder. When Dan's body is discovered, he still had his wallet, all of his credit cards, about $70 in cash, a cell phone, a nice watch, and the keys to his truck. So clearly, robbery was not any part of this motive to his murder. Okay, so he came there specifically to kill Dan? Yes. Okay. Um, and there's also a lot of alcohol and expensive cooking implements at the Institute, also none of which were disturbed or stolen. There was also no sign of forced entry. But when Dan would open up the building for the morning, he would often leave a roll-up door open in order to bring in and take out supplies. So this could have been an easy point of entry for the perpetrators. Who probably knew Dan's schedule and how he went about his business. Exactly. Unfortunately, the Institute didn't have any security cameras in or around the school, so no clues to go off just yet. Wow. 2018? Yeah. No cameras. Mm Mm-mm. I know. I thought that was kind of weird as well. I thought literally every business in school had... Okay. Yeah. So this next part seemed odd to investigators. Nancy quickly got to selling belongings and clearing out her and Dan's home. But friends and family stated that this was Nancy and Dan's plan for the future. They weren't going to be staying in the home that they shared too much longer anyway because it was a bit of a fixer-upper and Nancy just couldn't handle it on her own. But authorities still clocked it. Yeah, it is. I mean... But she also said that everywhere she looked reminded her of her husband. So I get it. Yeah, yeah. It could be what her way of grieving is going through his things and are their things. Yeah. Um, another kind of strange thing from old Nance. The day after Dan's murder, she made a Facebook post stating, quote, and it's kind of long, so strap in. Okay, I'm here. Well, it's not super long. Anyways, for my Facebook friends and family, I have some sad news to relate. My best friend and husband, Chef Daniel Brophy, was killed yesterday morning. For those of you who are close to me feel this deserves a phone call, you're right. But I'm struggling to make sense of everything right now. There's a candlelight vigil at Oregon Culinary Institute tomorrow, Monday, June 4th at 7 p.m. And while I appreciate your loving responses, I am overwhelmed. Please save phone calls for a few days until I can function and figure everything out. End quote. Okay. I'm not... Didn't think that was weird? No. No. It seemed very, like, me. Not me. Seemed very Nancy-centric. Like... I am overwhelmed. I am feeling this way. For those of you that know me. But Dan can't be overwhelmed. And she, aside from Nathaniel, because they didn't have any other kids, correct? They They didn't have they didn't have any children. They did not. So I mean, they're the only two left, so Okay. So time goes on and people 
are starting to lose hope that Dan's killer will ever be found. Now this is interesting and strange. Authorities receive a call from Nancy in regard to insurance. Okay. She needs the death certificate. She states... (laughs) This is so weird. She states, quote... Um, I don't want to be the stupid question of the day, but I think I need to be the stupid question of the day. Um, so my insurance company said, just have the detectives write a letter saying that I'm no longer a suspect, end quote. And like, she wasn't, she wasn't a suspect. Well, they, I mean, she's a person of interest because she's, I mean, hell, his, his wife, and let's be honest, it's the the spouse. That's true. (laughs) Nancy goes on to say... Quote, and I said, man, I just don't know that he's there talking about the investigator. And I'm not sure he looks at me that way. But if you do look at me that way, then I'd get you to write the letter. End quote. Oh, man. So then the detective says, very curiously, why would you need that? And then Nancy says, because they don't want to pay me if it turns out that I secretly went down to the school and shot my husband. Nancy. You can't say the quiet part out loud, Nance. <laughs> Nancy. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. Uh, these are direct quotes. This is the way she was speaking. Is it's this? I mean, crazy. but is she just like this super direct, weird person like her husband or? Uh, I mean, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like she's painting a bullseye on her. Even if she didn't do it, she's like, I think you guys should take a closer look, look at here. me. <laughs> you know, look at me. <laughs> oh my god so then the detective says once again with a confused tone he says well we would never do something like that i've never heard of that being done yeah. <laughs> he has no idea what she's talking about not only that i could find a piece of evidence that makes you in fact a suspect again you dum-dum yeah. oh my god and then Nancy states this is such a stupid little policy i can't believe they're making me jump through hoops like this it's only forty thousand dollars and as my sister said usually whenever they do that it's for millions and i said yeah well we weren't insured for millions or were they oh (laughs) we'll circle back to that in a little bit how many policies did he know about (laughs) he knew about the forty thousand dollar (laughs) policy So either Nance is just super direct and a weirdo. She's right. <laughs> or she might be the worst criminal mind of all time. You know, like, man, I really need that money. So I think I pulled out the perfect crime, guys. Can you give me a letter stating that? Yeah. And then the detective says something along the lines of, it just doesn't work that way. The only way to clear you is if we arrest someone else. Then you would be cleared. Not just arrest them. They need to convict them. them. They need to convict somebody else of Dan's murder. Yeah. Hopefully the murderer. (laughs) So also, another troubling piece of information surfaces. So far, this just doesn't really... I mean, there's no evidence that she's giving away or anything, but it just looks really bad. Oh, God, what did she do now? It's not a good look. And actually, this is not something that she does currently. This is something she had done in the past. Well, she's always been weird, so... <laughs> All right, let's go. Just... I can't. So investigators do some digging on old Nancy. And remember, she's a writer. Turns out she had written a blog post in April of 2011, which was seven years before Dan's death, titled, How to Murder Your Husband. 
Uh, I thought it was going to be titled Murder in the Kitchen. But that's even more on the nose. Uh, So this blog post starts with, quote, As a romantic suspense writer, I spend a lot of time thinking about murder and consequently about police procedure. After all, the murderer is supposed to set me free. I certainly don't want to spend any time in jail. And let me say clearly for the record, I don't like jumpsuits and orange is not my color. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but orange is the new black. (laughs) Oh, which is a great show. Nancy goes on to make a list of motives for murdering your husband, number one being financial, stating, divorce is expensive, and do you really want to split all your possessions? (laughs) Damn. (laughs) And then uh, another motive was lying and cheating. Okay. She says, a crime of passion does not look like a stranger was involved. And then who is left to clean the blood from your carpeting? (laughs) (laughs) I hope that she just has a strange sense of humor. Ma'am. It's like she's trying to be, like, cheeky. (sighs) I mean, that's pretty funny. And it's like, but it's not. Well, it's not funny because her husband's dead. (laughs) All right. Uh, So she's got the motives out of the way. What about weapons, you may ask? Nancy goes on to list guns, but they're loud, they're messy, they require some skill. If it takes 10 shots for the sucker to die, either you have terrible aim or he's on drugs. Sucker? (laughs) (laughs) In an article written about your husband while she's married. Okay. Uh, um, and then she says, uh, random heavy piece of equipment, like a hammer or a baseball bat. Then she says, poison, which is the woman's weapon. And then she says, but also, who wants to hang out with a sick husband? Oh, my God. <laughs> you don't want to feed him a bunch of antifree over days? <laughs> oh, and then um, she lists hiring a hitman, hiring a lover, and then the blurb next to the hiring a lover says, never a good idea. They're probably going to turn you in. <laughs> yeah. If they would, you know, if you would, oh my God, kill your current husband. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Okay. So to wrap up this post, Nancy states, quote, I find it easier to wish people dead than to actually kill them. I don't really want to worry about blood and brains splattered on my walls. And really, I'm not too good at remembering lies. But the thing I know about murder is that every one of us has it in him or her when pushed far enough. End quote. Yeah, anybody's capable of anything. Yeah. Um, so this is just not a very good look. <sighs> I bet you they have a detective reading her, uh, her, her books as well going, you know, because she... Oh my god. Let me guess, she described the murder in one of her novels. Um... No. Okay. Okay. I well, she described a lot of murders in her novels, but no, not this okay. particular one. But like, I also have all of these notes on my phone about various murders, so maybe that wouldn't be a good look either. If like you turned up dead. <laughs> yeah, but at least you have you know the the hashtag murder the podcast. That's true. So, That's your super hot boyfriend came up with the name of. Yes, he did. <laughs> Okay, so with all of this weird behavior from Nancy and that ominous blog post, she is arrested for the murder of her husband, Daniel Brophy, and friends and family were completely shocked and and did not think that Nancy had anything to do with this. Also, 
Fancy's mugshot is horrific. Oh, we got I gotta see it. Hold on. It's it's like a it's like a jump scare. Just Google Nancy Brophy. It's really scary. Well, that's not the mugshot, but she also doesn't look too great there. Uh, she's not cute in this picture. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so. Nancy Brophy's trial starts in April of 2022, and the prosecution gets a hard blow that Nancy's blog post cannot be used as evidence in the trial. Why? I think it's because it happened prior to the murder. Okay. I really don't know. I'm not sure. And also, I'm sure you're thinking, like, she wrote this post, and now she's on trial. That's it? That's all we got? <clears throat> yeah, what, what's the physical evidence, babe? We have much more evidence to uncover. Okay. So here we go. Investigators found a laptop packed away in a closet in the Brophy home, and the last time it was used was in November of 2017, just a few months before Dan's murder. And one of the last websites visited on this laptop was called Ghost Guns, unserialized, unregistered. Oh, shit. Yikes. So a gun is purchased, a 9mm to be exact, with some assembly required. Nancy received the gun and realizes that it's way harder to put together than she thought, so she's starting to do some local online shopping. Hashtag support small businesses. Okay, well, is she supporting small businesses? <laughs> so she's seeing if she can find a gun shop near her so she can buy something that is already assembled because she cannot figure out how to put this gun together. There's YouTube, lady. Well, I guess she didn't have the time. So she ends up going to a local gun show shortly before the murder and purchasing another 9mm Glock 17 and registering it in her own name. She then also goes on eBay and purchases an extra slide and barrel, which are interchangeable, yep. for $355 plus $9.99 shipping for her new gun. That way, if she, when she does it, she can change it out the barrel. The groove yeah, foam match. Exactly. Different um, striations uh, and such. Oh my god, but why did you keep the damn computer? <laughs> why? Uh, I don't know. So dumb. Throw it in some fucking salt water. Well, my next uh, paragraph here. When the prosecution is asked, what do you think happened to that extra slide and barrel? They responded with, we have a lot of bodies of water here in Oregon. It could be at the bottom of any one of them. Yeah. <laughs> because they never found it. They never found the... Um... The barrel that matched the bullets? Uh-huh. Yeah. Of course they didn't. During the trial, the defense is grasping at straws. They gather security camera footage from nearby businesses... They spot an unhoused man walking near the Institute around the time of the murder. He was wheeling around a large trash can, collecting cans. And they were trying to say that he could have gone in through that open roll-up door and shot Dan. But, like, well, no. Most, people, most of them don't got no damn gun. Exactly. Why would he do this? Also, if someone who was unhoused did this, why wouldn't they steal anything? Yeah. Guns are expensive to get, number one. And then... Why just kill a random person and then not take anything? Not take the wallet or the food that's all around? Yeah, exactly. The booze? Yeah. So back to the prosecution. They also review nearby security camera footage and they find more interesting information. Could it be her minivan <laughs> just cruising around town? It is! <laughs> it is I was going to ask minivan. you what her alibi was, but apparently she ain't got one. She ain't got one. <laughs> 
a place nearby named Bellagio's, and upon reviewing the footage, they notice a van drive by shortly before the murder. And then you just reminded us that Nancy has a minivan. And it just so happens that her van had this huge gash right under the little gas door thing. What's that called? I think it's called a gas door thing. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And the van in the footage also had this huge scratch. So Nancy, or possibly someone driving Nancy's van, was at the scene of the crime moments before and after the murder. Not looking good, Nancy. Obviously her car was stolen. (laughs) Someone stole the minivan. Well, after they planted the computer in her closet, they (laughs) stole the minivan. Uh, They also get footage from a nearby Starbucks and two other businesses, all showing her van just kind of circling the area. Waiting for that phone call from the cops. Just kind of gallivanting around. (laughs) So Nancy had means and opportunity to murder her husband. But what about the motive? I mean, the life insurance policy was only for $40,000. She's a millionaire. Doesn't seem like enough in this day and age to murder your husband, Nance. (laughs) But remember how Nancy sold life insurance? She had secret ghost policies on his ass. Yeah. Turns out there was $1.8 million on the line. Not just the $40,000. She was just starting with the $40,000. And apparently, Nancy wanted a more luxurious life that Dan just wasn't and couldn't provide for her. She just wanted to write her romance novels, god damn it, and live a life of luxury. Divorce him. (sighs) Yeah. So on day 20 of the trial, Nancy does what all innocent people do. She got on the stand. (laughs) She takes the stand. All right. All right. I have never been to law school, but I'm going to go ahead and fucking tell you people, don't be getting on the goddamn stand. Your lawyer gets to go first, but then the prosecutor's going to jumble your ass up. Yeah, and once you're up there, you're up there. You're fucked. <laughs> you, you can't call time out. Uh, uh. So defense asks Nancy how long her and Dan were together, and she states 24 years, 10 months, and two days. Oh, well, she's had time Which to... Which is extremely specific. <laughs> she's had time to calculate it out, like, it's been seven hours... <laughs> I'm still confused in that song why all the flowers die. It's only been, what, a week? Two weeks? Why are all the flowers Seven hours and 15 days. That's two weeks. two weeks. It's two weeks. It rains, doesn't it? Why are all the flowers in the backyard dead? Sometimes, I mean, it can be hot as hell. We don't know if it's summer, winter, (laughs) spring, or fall when that song's going on. That's true. All right, summertime, shit got cooked. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Okay, so 24 years, 10 months, and two days. She states that she did not shoot her husband and that she has no idea how to even defend herself. The prosecution states, So you were there in the same area where your husband was shot within a six-minute window with the exact type of gun that you own in your van. It wasn't in my van. It was at home. And Nancy says, Well, that's your version of what happened. That's not my version. Okay, Nance. (laughs) Let's see what you... What's your version? Come on, Nance. She doesn't have a version. She just says it's not hers. So prosecution asks why she purchased these two guns, and Nancy states that she, quote, read an article about a guy in California who bought a gun, and then he killed his whole family. And I thought, you know, 
What if it was the woman who was afraid? So once I kind of flipped the story in my mind, I started building it in my mind. End quote. Which is just like a, it's like word salad. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Just say I wanted it for home protection, for personal protection. Or, hey, I like to shoot. It's fun to shoot. Think about taking up shooting. Yeah. And that the whole reason she had bought this gun was for research for her new novel. You've already written like eight fucking novels without (laughs) having to own a gun. Uh, Although I did read somewhere that she did buy like whatever her novel was about. She spent lots of money on things to research for the novel. And I think one of the things was like an 1800s chastity belt. (laughs) Ooh. That she spent a large amount of money on so she could research it for her new novel. She probably wore it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming she did. She probably wore it. <laughs> yes, honey. I think she probably wore it. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> so weird. Um, okay, back to sadness. And then she stated that there was a mass shooting at a school in February of 2018, which made her want to buy a gun even more because, you know, Dan was a teacher. And she said that it was a joint decision between her and Dan to purchase the gun. She was then asked about the extra slide and barrel that she purchased and where it might be. And her response was, who knows? (laughs) Who knows? That was her response on the stand. You know, I had them shipped and they never arrived. Never arrived. Yeah. Who knows? I, I've been trying to get a refund on those things since I purchased them. <laughs> uh, and as far as the day of the murder goes, Nancy says that she remembers waking up early and chatting with Dan. And that's it. She has no fucking clue what else she did that morning. The no, you morning said she her was drinking. was murdered. You said she was drinking with him. What were they drinking? Coffee. Oh, okay. Wait, drinking? What are you talking about? She got up early. I didn't say drinking at all. Chatting. Oh, chatting. Um, no, because he would often wake up early and either go get her Starbucks coffee or make coffee, which is very sweet, which is what my dusty buns does for me. That's just because you refuse to get out of bed. <laughs> That's true. And while I am quiet in the morning times, you are like a herd of buffalo. That's untrue. And I have yet... For you to wake up before me and me not be awakened. <laughs> I don't believe I that. sneak out of here all the time. <laughs> no, you don't. I do. <laughs> hey. You are so, you're like a goddamn tornado. <laughs> you're slamming drawers. You're slamming doors. You are stomping across the floor. Stomping. You are stomping. Not, I'm on fucking tiptoes. All right. When I go to when you go to bed before me at night, I soak my chips in water so they don't crunch. No. Your earring is too fucking. No. I my hearing is too good. <laughs> I lay here in bed and I'm like, I can hear the TV downstairs and it's on like volume two. Yeah, and, and I can fucking hear and it. And guess who has to go turn that shit the fuck off? You. I ain't doing it. <sighs> uh, okay, so Nancy has no idea what she did that morning. The morning that her husband was murdered. Why is she on the stand? <laughs> uh, um, and the, the next thing she remembers is that she got the phone call that Dan had been murdered. She was then asked why her van would be on camera in the area. And then she changes her story and says, Oh yeah, I remember driving to Starbucks. And then I just disappeared into a world of my own making. And that she was driving around aimlessly thinking about her next novel. So then 
I didn't put this in here, but then the prosecution is like, so if you were, if you don't remember anything, is it possible that you went to the Institute and shot your husband? And she, she had no, it's a simple answer. No, no, (laughs) not possible. She doesn't know. I would like to go ahead and like, (laughs) Dustin, did you drive somewhere and shoot Scarlett? No. (laughs) (laughs) If it takes you any longer than that, guilty. (laughs) Right. It's a simple, (laughs) simple answer. Uh, um, and then, crazily enough, the only time that Nancy's van was not seen on any camera was the exact six-minute window that Daniel Brophy was murdered. So on May 25th, 2022, after eight hours of deliberation, the jury comes back with a verdict. Guilty of murder in the second degree, and Nancy Brophy was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole when she is 93 years old, and she is serving her time at the Coffee Creek Correctional Facility in Oregon. It sounds like a retirement home. It does. Actually sounds kind of pleasant. I hope they make her wear an orange fucking jumpsuit. Uh, and then in 2020, like while she was awaiting trial, she actually requested to be removed from the jail to write out her weight in an undisclosed guest house with GPS monitoring and around-the-clock curfew. Her representation argued that she was, quote, at risk of imminent death, end quote, in jail during the height of the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, so... Yeah, because she had diabetes and she was turning 70. She was high risk. She attempted to have protein shakes delivered to her cell in order to avoid coming into contact with other inmates, but according to her lawyers, the jail staff refused. And her motion for bail was denied. Good. Yeah. So Nathaniel, Daniel's son, spread his father's ashes in a nearby mushroom field, which is a very fitting place for the chef, teacher, mushroom hunter, marine biologist, beekeeper, chicken man that he was. Poor Nathaniel. I know. And in August of 2020, friends and family hosted a tribute dinner in Dan's honor. The dinner consisted of a five-course meal served family style with wine pairings, using Dan's recipes and incorporating some of his favorite foods, including foraged mushrooms. And the proceeds went towards the Domestic Violence Resource Center in Beaverton. And that's that on that. God damn it. Just divorce him. What the fuck? Yeah. I don't... You're, she's 68 years old when this is... Yeah. And they'd only been married for two years. Like, I, officially married. Yeah, technically two years. And uh, it's so odd. That's just dumb. Yeah. It's the dumbest... She just wanted to live out one of her novels, I guess. Yeah, I guess in the novel, <laughs> the... Well, I, I've never read romance novels, so I don't know if the bad guys, you know? I don't know either. Oh, God. Yeah. Do we have, please say we got some kind of fun fact. I do have fun facts. I have honeybee fun facts for you. Because remember, he's a beekeeper. Okay. Just okay? Yeah, there's bee stuff. All right. Honey, <laughs> look at how loud that was. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Couple, okay. Couple bee facts for you, honey. So a honeybee worker only makes an average of one twelfth of a teaspoon in her lifetime. One twelfth of a teaspoon yeah one ounce of honey would fuel a bee's flight around the world a pound of honey is made by two million flower visits damn the bees fly fifty-five thousand miles back and forth to bring that sweet sweet golden honey okay yeah 
Bees have five eyes, six legs. They fly about 20 miles an hour, which is really quick. Super fast. Queen bees can lay up to 2,000 eggs per day. That's a lot of babies. That's too many kids, as Alex and I would say. That's that's her, <laughs> that's her whole shit, though. Uh, um, and a bee will die if it loses its stinger. I thought that was like an old uh, wives' tale. Mm-mm. Yeah. And bees are the only insect on the planet that make food that humans can eat. And it doesn't spoil. Which I thought was pretty fun. Yeah. And did you also know another fun bee fact is that the E's in B are silent. I can't stand you. <laughs> you are insufferable. Yeah, because I didn't even have to Google that one. God damn it. You are so ridiculous oh can you tell the um or do you want me to tell the the bean joke okay <laughs> it's your joke honey it's your joke why <laughs> why do the irish only put 239 beans in their soup i don't know honey why do they only put 239 in their soup because one more would be too far to <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh. What are you, 12? I can't. I love it so much. <laughs> oh, man. Um. Okay, before you go, we have an Instagram at hashtag murder pod. Spell, Spell it, it all, all out. out. We also have a Patreon. I don't believe we have any more hash browns as of this week, but that's okay. Go check us out if you want. Um. I think they were doing like some sort of... It might be over now, but some sort of like Black Friday where you got a month free or something. Well, that was... That already happened. Yeah, that was a week ago, baby. Okay. Well, I tried. Um, but go check us out there. Tell you about the sale that happened in the past. <laughs> and um, if you like this... Give them five stars. Yeah. I don't see why not. You made it this far. Yeah. <laughs> and leave us a review. If you leave us a review on Apple, Alex and I will read it on the next episode that we record. But the reviews and the likes really help... Uh, boost yeah. their popularity so that more people can hear. And then we can do more and, yeah, keep having fun with y'all. Oh, I love it. You have fun, honey? I do. Okay. And since my truck doesn't have a radio, I need podcasts to listen to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we have to go let Lillian back in. I'm sure she is big sad right now. I'm hoping she's not big muddy right now. <laughs> she might be. Oh, God. I'm going to have to do the mud buster on her. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, thanks for hanging out. Love you. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. Just divorce them. You don't have to murder them. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Hashtag Murder. Episodes are written and edited by Alex Lewis and Scarlett Hipton. Our intro and outro music is written and played by Derek Branton. Our cover art is by the lovely Lauren Walker. And our name was created by the most wonderful, supportive, and super hot boyfriend, Dustin Branton. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas, you can reach us at hashtag murderpod at gmail.com. That's H-A-S-H-T-A-G murderpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to tell all of your friends about us. Thanks. Bye. I want him, or to Nance meet. Nance meet? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, honey. Whose fault is it for leaving me in charge? Yours. I said, hey, babe, make sure she doesn't chew on the blanket and then she ate it. Ultimately, your fault, though, honey.
<laughs> can't leave me in charge. All right? I mean, I'm in charge. <laughs> now Ollie's getting on the bed. Flee him. Oh, now Lily's on the bed on top of Ollie. Lily! I thought I had something to talk about. Oh, you're going to have a lot to cut out, honey. <laughs> Do you have something? No, you can't have the fan on. It's hot in here. Can't have the fan on. It's loud. It's not loud, does it? Can't have the fan on, honey. It's so... It makes a low hum. Can I have the door open? No! No! No, no, no. It's too echoey. Honey, this is going to take me forever to edit. <laughs> oh, my God. I like opening doors. I know. I like, I like air. I gotta get this hair flowing, alright? Oh my god. Okay. Um, oh, shoot. Mmm. <coughs> 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 me, 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 me. Ew, stop it. I hear Lily. Uh, I know, she's very sad. If it takes 10 seconds for this, er, not 10 seconds. He then went on to work several different. No. He was kind of a known. Testing. Test, test, test. Hello. Hello. <laughs> was I more.